This is Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I'm in pursuit of a black trans -am. He's all mine, so stay out of the way. Aerial View with Chris Live. End Times Talk Radio. Friday! 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 760-422-5528. The Pound. NYC.com. You have a podcast? Cool. Oh, yeah, I invented them. That's a big ten four. Let him have it, Chris. 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 There's a button and a switch for everything. What's that? You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. No tricks now, Chris. Yeah, what's going to happen? So how y'all doing, all right? Come on, you know better than that. How y'all doing, all right? This is all radio. This is all radio. What kind of radio show is this? I heard his voice on the tape and it really put the hook in me. I have broadcast many, many times Shortwave on both the light program and the home service. Stay in New Jersey and I don't care who you are. Chris, you get out of school. Let's talk. I'm sick of talking. You get the I know how to talk to people. That's clear as a mother's open. Shut up. I've got this man go on the air, deliver a coded message. You're out of your mind. I'm not out of my mind. Oh, come on. Now, we're going to listen to what he said on the air. Because all we're dealing with here, after all, is talk show time against a man's life. I don't see that in any argument. I can see you're really upset about this. That's all right. It's okay. Hello. Something to live for. Talk radio. So boring, man. Okay, okay. The car just Don't committed suicide. Shut up, man. I have an idea now. First name, mister. Middle name, period. Last name, I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Show the man your power, big. Smash him. Give him some of that tone. Showtime. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. 
Oh, it's my boy, Chris. I love Chris. He definitely is nice for reaching out to me. Chris can relate to every single person, which is something I can't do by far. That is a powerful message, Chris. Oh, yeah, nothing like a powerful message. It is me, Chris T., here on thehoundnyc.com. Every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, a new aerial view live. The live line into the studio, 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422. I got to duck down every time that thing goes overhead. 5528-760-422-5528. Don't forget, every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Hound Howls, followed by Crashing a Party with Mark and Miriam, the doo-wop chop shop of the air. And tonight, very excited to have two former colleagues of mine joining us for a show I've dubbed Truckers Forget, in parentheses, Trump. And the first colleague will be joining us in just a few. Mark Reddig of Landline Now and OIDA. That's the Owner Operators Independent Drivers Association. A group that came about during the um, Arab oil embargo of the early 1970s to give truckers more of a voice. And it's uh, been going strong ever since. And he will explain about the recent trucker protests in Washington, D.C. Here's some sound that I stole from CNN of uh, what we're going to be talking about. This was uh, last Friday at the White House and uh, the president talking about the coronavirus and a vaccine and then being interrupted by lots of truck horns. When a vaccine is ready, the U.S. government will deploy every plane, truck, and soldier required to help distribute it to the American people as quickly as possible. America is blessed to have the most brilliant, talented doctors and researchers anywhere in the world. We took over very, very empty cupboards, I say medically. We also had empty cupboards in a military sense. Our military was in sad shape. It was depleted. We now have the strongest military the United States has ever had by far and the best equipment. And you hear that outside, that beautiful sound. Those are truckers that are with us all the way. They're protesting in favor of President Trump as opposed to against. There's hundreds of trucks out there. And uh, that's the sign of love, not the sign of your typical protest. So I want to thank our great truckers. They like me and I like them. We're working on something together. But we have the mightiest, and they'll be helping us with this, by the way, speaking of truckers. Now, I've talked about it before in this program, but for 12 years, just over 12 years, I talked to truck drivers for a living on Sirius XM's Road Dog Truck and Radio Channel, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. every weekday with a show called Freewheeling. And uh, so I got to know truck drivers quite well. They got to know me. I came to understand and respect the difficult, dangerous job they do. And they were not there in support of Donald Trump blowing their horns. They actually have uh, some complaints, some things they would like the government to address. And it was always interesting to me because truckers, very individualistic, rugged individualists, if you will, They were always going on about how the government should stay out of their lives and stay out of their pockets, but then they would want the government to intervene in certain things and take care of them in certain ways, and it would always uh, cause a cognitive dissonance in my brain because I'm like, either you're for the nanny state or you're against it. Which one is it? And I couldn't really understand, but that's why we're going to have Mark Redigai in just a bit to tell us what those truckers were actually protesting. And uh, and then, about the halfway point of the show, uh, Christina Palumbo, who I first met through the Alex Bennett program on SiriusXM, will join us, uh, tell us what she's been up to lately. She would uh, co-host with me often on the daily show that uh, we did for many, many years on the Trucking Channel. 
And uh, I have to apologize to Sweet Tea, and she was dubbed Sweet Tea by the truck drivers because a few times she co-hosted with me, and they came up with that handle for her. Because last Friday, as I was uh, trying to get the show into shape, she texted me this link to a story about truckers blowing their horns, their air horns, leaning on their air horns outside of the White House there on whatever avenue they were lined up on. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I don't have time. And uh, I kind of wish I had gotten to it before the show instead of after the show. It would have been a little more timely. But now... See, it's working out to my advantage because now I'm able to get some perspective on the story and invite somebody on who knows what the hell he's talking about. Mark Reddick has reported news for OIDA, the Owner-Operators Independent Driver Association, for many, many years as part of the program Landline Now. He's on the air. And if there's anybody that knows about the relationship between Trump and truckers, it's Mark Reddick. So I'm looking forward to speaking to him here in just a bit to find out what the hell exactly is going on. There's also another breaking story that involves the Department of Transportation and its head, namely Elaine Chow, wife of Mitch McConnell. And a scandal that is brewing, but you know, scandals are always brewing in the Trump administration. So what is this one about? Apparently another inspector general was fired. This was an inspector general that oversaw the transportation department and uh, more properly known as the Department of Transportation. And he was looking into work and contracts that were being funneled to Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. I think that is Mark Reddick joining us now, unless I miss my guess. Mark? Yeah, Chris, how are you doing? I can't complain. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right. It's a pretty good day out here, and we actually have weather that is not trying to, uh, you know, flood us. So we're pretty happy about that. Now, you're in Missouri? Yes. And uh, yeah. you are Mark Reddick, uh, who I met, I don't know, when did we meet? 2006? Is that too early? Somewhere around there? I remember the first uh, time I there. went to the Mid-America Trucking Show, I think we met. Yeah, I think the first time, yeah, and it was. I think that's about right. It might have been a little bit after that, but somewhere in that time period. Somewhere in that time period. And um, I was just talking about, so maybe we should start with the, 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 the latest thing first, and then we'll work back to the trucking protests at the White House. But I read today via a newsletter that the independent uh, counsel, the inspector general, um, who was overseeing the Department of Transportation was removed. And he was apparently looking into some deals that were going on uh, where Elaine Chow, the Secretary of Transportation, was funneling contracts to Kentucky, uh, the, the state that is represented by her husband, Mitch McConnell. Are you getting into this story at all? Have you drilled down on this? Am I springing it on you unaware? Well, um, it's it's not something that we've covered uh, extensively. Primarily, we're just keeping an eye on it because, of course, if something happens involving Elaine Chow, it could have a significant impact on trucking policy, which is really our thing. But at this point, it is kind of peripheral to what we look at. But certainly, um, there is a concern there, um, you know, uh, because... Right now, uh, policy at the administration towards truckers is not all that bad. And, um, you know, I think that uh, people are concerned about the unpredictability of what happens if we have a sudden change in leadership at that department. But uh, I think these days everything is kind of up in the air at all times. So I'm not sure that we're being very realistic and looking for uh, uh, a level of predictability. You know what I mean? I hear you. Uh, let's talk about what you just mentioned. Uh, I, I've talked about it here on this program, and I saw what happened in 2016 when Trump became president. I always joke that if you sent a bunch of truckers into a room and told them to build a president, they would have emerged with Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> truckers and Trump have a very tight relationship. I mean, is that really down 
to what do you, what do you think that's down to? Is it because he acknowledged them and he spoke about them and really all they wanted was to be acknowledged and spoken about? Well, uh, the Trump administration, and I think really the credit has to go here to the FMCSA, which is an agency that, as you know, over its history has not had a lot of uh, favorable words from truck drivers. But during the Trump administration, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the primary regulatory agency that deals with trucking, has really done some good things from the point of view of truckers. Um, clearing up things that led to a lot of truckers getting citations that may or may not have been justified or may or may not have been keeping with the regulations. And a good example is very quickly out of the gate, they clarified uh, the rules on personal conveyance. And that's when a trucker uses their own truck that they own or that they drive for personal purposes like going to a restaurant or going to a grocery store or so on when they're not using it for business. And they cleared up some things in a way that really helped truckers with some very specific situations. I think one of the key ones, and and most of the public is not really aware of this, but truckers very often are detained at the loading docks where they're loading and unloading for really outrageous periods of time. I've talked to people that have been held up as much as 12 hours while a company loads or unloads their trucks. And, of course, by that point, they no longer have, uh, under the regulations, a legal right to drive that truck until they've had 10 hours rest. But if they try and leave the truck sit, which is the proper thing, I've talked with a number of them who have been threatened. I've been on the phone with people where you can hear the threats going on in the background while they're on the phone with me. And they're threatening, yeah, people are saying, get off my property, essentially. You can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah, we've loaded your truck. Get out of here. Well, I can't legally because you've kept me here too long and I'm out of hours. Okay, well, then we'll have you arrested for trespassing. Um, and they're not kidding. Uh, there, there have been instances where the police showed up uh, with that purpose in mind. When the, when the FMCSA clarified personal conveyance, they told them, you can, in that situation, take your tr- truck and drive to the closest safe place to park. That relieved enormous amounts of problems for so many individuals who drive trucks for a living. It really made an astounding difference. And uh, so there are things like that, real actions that have, have helped truck drivers out. I think a lot of truckers were really encouraged when they saw trucks at the White House, but others not so much because he tends to meet with the, uh, the corporate executives and the large companies that they had uh, primarily publicly traded large trucking companies that don't really represent the bulk of trucking. The bulk of trucking is small business, uh, 96-plus percent small business out of all the companies in that industry. Um, so there's some wariness there, but in the case of these protests, he has taken time to acknowledge these folks. He has uh, 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 said that he's going to do something, and... Uh, in fact, some of the protesters have even had a meeting at the White House with some of the White House staff. Uh, the president's chief of staff went out to the protest. So, um, Apparently he brought some MAGA hats as well. Say again? He brought some MAGA hats when he went out to, the, when he, when yeah, he went out to see the protesters. Yeah, they brought a letter to the White House. They asked the folks there to bring it into the president, and they came back out and said, he has read your letter, and he sent these hats out for you. Um, now, some of the folks that were there that we talked to, wow, that's great. He, he read our letter. Some of them were like, I didn't come here for a hat. Thank you. It's a nice hat, but we didn't come here for this. Um, Here's your hat. So What's your hurry? Like, say again? Here's your hat. What's your hurry? <laughs> um, uh, let, let, me, let me just backtrack for a minute because pe- for people who aren't aware of the you know, $8 billion trucking industry, and just how much weight it throws around. It, it's it's a massive part of the bloodstream of the United States. I mean, we used to talk all the time about the trucking on the trucking channel. If trucking stopped stopped for just three days, this country would come to an utter halt, and there would be food riots, uh, among other things. So it's it's a crucial industry. Obviously, it's now being acknowledged that way. There are a lot of articles out there about what heroes truck drivers are. Um, but, you know, I, I remember a few years back that some of the tax changes that went into effect 
had truckers grumbling because some who um, you know, were, weren't able to take the per diem, for instance, found they were losing money. I mean, on, on the whole, are truckers doing better in the last uh, three years since the administration change, or how are they doing? Well, they were doing pretty well. I'm not sure how much of that was the administration. You are absolutely correct. Uh, the trucker per diem deduction, uh, which was to pay for things like meals while they're out on the road, was a massive deduction. And we're talking for some truckers, this could be upwards of $20,000 in terms of a deduction on their taxes. That's enormous. Anyone who does not own their own truck lost that deduction, even though they're facing exactly the same expense on that front as the folks that own their trucks. And there was a lot of upset, which is why I think we have to be careful when we talk about universal support or universal dislike for any politician on the part of truckers. It's, it's more nuanced, as most things in the world are. But during 2018, that may have been the best year truckers have had in decades. It was a great year for making money. And now we're in a case where some of the truckers are being offered rates that wouldn't even pay for the fuel to move the truck. Well, and so we've seen the high and the low. So that's what those protests were about, with all those air horns going off. They were about freight brokers who truckers and the advocates for truckers are saying are not being transparent. We don't know exactly what's being passed on to us, what's not being passed on to us. And it's really something that requires more oversight. So do you think they will get that oversight? I think there's a strong chance that something is going to change. Again, the way things are, you hate to predict anything. But I think we are at a point now where the combination of the public acknowledging how important truckers have been during the pandemic crisis, a combination of that, plus the trucker protest, plus a lot of truckers calling their members of Congress to talk about the rate problem. I uh, just read an article in USA Today focusing on an individual trucker and the difficulties that that trucker is having. There's media coverage. It's, it's almost a perfect storm for finally solving this issue. You know, Chris, we just re-ran a show. Uh, we're coming up on our 15th anniversary on the air, and so we, we're rerunning some stuff, and we ran something from our first year. That was a debate between Jim Johnston, who was then the president of OOIDA, which is the association that produces our show, and Bob Voltman of the TIA, which is a group that represents brokers. They were debating exactly the same issues that are at the heart of the protest now, 15 years later. These are not new issues. And it's a simple matter that there is a regulation on the books, has been there the whole time, 371.3, that says brokers are required to share the information in terms of what they are paid by a shipper to move freight with the trucker and the fact is they don't do it it's standard practice among many brokers not to do that and they find various ways to get around it they're simply asking for existing regulation to be enforced and a lot of these uh, contracts that are uh, given to truckers by brokers will say uh, you agree as part of this contract to give up your rights for this information under 371.3 and i thought how would that work if a trucker just wrote into a contract, I'm accepting myself from the hours of service, I'm accepting myself from the speed limit? Other people don't get to just write in a contract that, you know, I'm sorry, but you're giving up your rights or responsibilities under federal law. It doesn't work that way. But in this case, it has been that way for many, many years. So I think there is... Yeah, I wrote my bank, talking, I, I wrote my bank and I said I'm exempting myself from paying my mortgage. What do you think of that? That didn't yeah, go over. see, that's a short-term strategy, I think, is what we call that, Chris. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we should also tell folks who, who may not be aware, there are several different kinds of truckers. There are uh, owner-operators, independent drivers, like your association represents. And what percentage would you say that is of the 3 million, 3.5 million truck drivers in the United States? We know that um, individual truckers, and this would be a trucker that is a one-truck company, that is half of all registered motor carriers, and somewhere between 350,000 and 400,000 
uh, individuals that are one-truck companies. But a lot of these folks own a couple of extra trucks and hire someone to drive those trucks. Um, you can get up to 10 trucks, and you're still covering 90% of all registered motor carriers. Um, there's also, as you know, the truckers who own their own rigs, and they primarily work as an independent contractor for one company, what in the industry is called leasing on to a motor carrier. And that is in another enormous block of truck drivers. Some of the largest carriers, and a good example is Landstar. Landstar is one of the largest trucking companies in America. They don't own a single truck. Every one of their drivers is an owner-operator leased onto that carrier. So I don't know the exact figure on that because it fluctuates almost daily. But I would say that you're probably talking at least half the truckers across the United States are in some kind of status as an owner-operator. It's an enormous number. It is, and it's uh, part of the tradition, if you will, of trucking, which is to have some independence. Um, but with the pandemic, and it's interesting because you, you, we, again, are seeing a lot of articles about how crucial the act of moving goods from where they're made and w- warehoused to where people can get them what is becoming of trucking as a whole and the thing that you and I would talk about all the time, namely this so-called driver shortage, you would always say, as would other people, there is no driver shortage, there's a pay shortage. And if they up the pay, they could attract more people. Where are we in terms of the kinds of shortages that we're beginning to see places, whether you're talking about toilet paper, food, whatever it may be, are we in danger of a truck driver, an actual truck driver shortage? It is possible. And uh, what what is going to make the difference one way or the other is how many of these small operations survive the economic crisis that's being created by the health crisis. Um, when you offer a trucking operation 38 cents a mile, when their break-even point is $1.75 a mile, and you're talking about a trip that could be well over one or 2,000 miles, you know, their choice there is to sit still and lose less money or literally pay money every mile to move someone's freight. There's a lot of businesses that are going to go belly up, and it's already started. We've seen some very large uh, carriers uh, declare bankruptcy. We're going to see a lot of large and medium, and we are going to see a lot of small carriers. Um that are going to go under as a result of this. And if you get too much of that, yes, you could have a shortage of capacity. Right now, we've got a massive overage, which is part of what's driving the rate for moving freight down. Does that um, does that represent but, a problem in terms of consolidation, and now there are fewer players, and now there's less competition, and now there are monopolies emerging? Um, trucking is too broad for a real monopoly to emerge. When you realize there's maybe two dozen motor carriers with more than 4,000 trucks in their fleet, and yet 96% of all motor carriers have 20 or fewer trucks, um, I don't think consolidation is a real danger there. I think basically just a, a lack of capacity at some point could happen. Um, I, I know people out in the public have heard for years we have a shortage of truck drivers, it's just not the case. And, and you know that, Chris, and I know I've said it a lot, but the Department of Labor and the Bureau of Labor Statistics has said the situation in trucking over the past few years meets no known definition of a worker shortage. And the obvious uh, uh, evidence of that is the fact that when all of us went to our grocery stores, the stuff we wanted to buy was there. Right. And, and the problem we had during the early part of the pandemic wasn't that there weren't enough trucks. It was people who were going out and buying a pickup load of toilet paper and taking it home, and, and people that were mass buying and hoarding out of a sense of panic. Um, and I, I remember seeing truckers interviewed on television stations saying, please, people, don't buy it all. There are more trucks coming. We're on the way. We have your stuff, um, which I, I thought was kind of hilarious. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean... This is a very unpredictable moment. This is a very dicey moment for American society. Um, but I don't think that's just trekking. I think that's the entire economy. Um, 
how the government and how our business community handle this is going to determine a lot of all of our futures. And the chances to screw things up are enormous. We saw that back in 1929. Um, and this has the potential to be something on that scale. Yeah. I mean, well, I hate to say that because that's part of the whole panic factor. The whole thing is don't panic. Um, just get through your daily life and do the best you can. But it's hard to say that to people when they've got to worry about, you know, do they have a roof over their head and can they feed their kids? Yeah, and you know, uh, Mark Reddick, you've always struck me as an eminently sensible person, so I'll follow your lead. Are you panicking quite yet about trucking, or no? No. Okay. No. These people have demonstrated amazing flexibility and amazing ability to survive horrific circumstances. Um, and so I, I have a great deal of faith in the American truck driver as a resilient group of people. Um, this isn't their job. This is their lifestyle. That's true. I, is, I, I, I used to know, say that all the time. And truckers yeah. would tell you that. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. So, Yeah. Um, I mean, their friends are not their neighbors at their homes. They have trucking friends. They go to trucking chapels. They have trucking doctors. That's their community. It's a very different definition of community than the rest of us have. And, so, uh, and they do support one another. And I'm very hopeful that... My, I have faith in them, but of course, uh, it depends on what else goes to hell. Now, I have about thirty seconds. I, I just want to quickly check in and see how are they how are they dealing with coronavirus and COVID nineteen. Are you seeing any evidence of them succumbing, or by and large, are they doing well? Because they, they a lot of truck drivers uh, have underlying health issues. It's not the healthiest occupation. So, how are they doing with the pandemic? So far, so good. Um, we just uh, talked to the St. Christopher Fund today, and for folks that don't know, that is a fund that helps truckers who have medical problems uh, that uh, take them out of work. And, and, and the St. Christopher Fund helps them pay the bills so they stay in their house and the utilities are on until they can get better. It's people that don't have the ability to pay their bills while they're sick because um, a lot of truckers have no sick pay, they don't get paid unless that truck is moving miles. They're paid by the mile, not by the hour. Um, but the St. Christopher Fund developed a huge emergency fund to prepare for this. So far, they've only had one truck driver come to them for help who had COVID-19. That's amazing. That is amazing. But they've what, what's happened is the truckers really spend an enormous amount of time isolated in their trucks, and they've simply stepped that up a bit. Um, a lot of them don't go into the truck stops uh, as they used to. The restaurants are closed. So even those places where they had contact, the places that made them in some ways before more likely to get something like seasonal influenza, they're not going to those places, and they've gotten into a whole new kind of isolation. And that has insulated them. And yeah, I, you know, in, in, in some ways, I, and i got to wrap up, uh, in some ways I'm a little more worried about the infrastructure, namely the truck stops and the other businesses that are trucking adjacent. In some ways I'm more worried about them. So, Mark Reddick, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, Landline Now is still on Sirius XM. Where else can folks find you online? We are at landlinenow.com. The show is uh, posted online every evening. And we also now are uh, part of a Internet radio station that is a music for truck driver station. It's called Truckers Radio USA. Um, and you can find it at truckersradiousa.com. And we're on there at 11 p.m. Central Time uh, every day. And... Uh, so there's lots of different places to hear our program, and uh, like I said, you can always find it at landlinenow.com. Okay, so what was that other URL, truckersradiousa.com? Mm-hmm, dot right. com, yeah. Interesting. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, Godspeed, Mark Redding. Next time, we'll talk all about the history of Missouri. How's that? We'll pivot. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. It'd be better on Kansas, but I could do Missouri, too. So, Chris, it's a pleasure. It's wonderful to talk with you. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, real quick, we're going to pivot and talk to Christina Palumbo, who uh, I worked with for many years, also at uh, Sirius XM.
Let's connect to her right now. Oh, there's that sound that I can't stand. Ugh. Hey, how are you? Hi. I just got off the phone with Mark Reddick. You remember that name? I sure do. From Landline Now? Yeah, we talked all about the uh, trucking protests at the White House. Uh, How are you? I am delightful. Thank you for asking. How are you, friend? You know, I have good days and then other days. (laughs) And this was a pretty good day. I was doing a little problem solving, so that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, keeping myself busy with this uh, project that I've got going on at the house to revive our old phones as voice over internet protocol phones, VOIP phones. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then my other project is uh, bringing back a turntable to the living room and that I made some advances on that front today as well. Don't you have projects going on, Christina Palumbo? And by the way, happy anniversary. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Boy, do I ever have home projects. It's like they never end, one after another. Right now, we're in the midst of building a deck outside of our pool, and it is quite the doozy. You know, you just one speed bump after another. Suddenly, you're like, oh, I need another bolt. Crazy. I know. I saw Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, you were digging post holes for the for the deck. Have you I'm ever, gonna tell you, I'm, you ever, I surprised myself. I come from a long line of field workers, Sicilian blood, just like you know. I don't know if I can curse on here, but like shit bricks. You know what I mean? And I just, I, I think I did them proud because I, I meant to just be out in the field. You were meant to. Be, <laughs> you're like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like yeah. good. I'm like livestock. Yeah, that's the, that's that's what I was trying. The word I was trying to think of, livestock. Yeah. You're like a mule. Yeah. You're like a like a mule out there, in, on the uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, just just over the Delaware River. How far from the Delaware River are you, by the way? I I grew up closer to the Delaware Water Gap than I am right now. I'm more uh, around the Lehigh Valley area now. Okay, but I did. I, I went to high school and college in the Poconos, which is closer to the Delaware Water Gap. But right now, I'm in the middle of like cornfields and you know storage units. Uh, this is a big hub for trucks. I mean, I'm among you know 18 wheelers on a rail. I'm actually in a parking lot right now outside of a warehouse. Uh, the, you know, it, it's, uh, it surrounds me, so it's good. Lehigh Valley. Uh, yes. Lehigh Valley. Pennsylvania is a big state. People don't know. It's it's a big state. It goes from here to Ohio, for God's sakes. Yeah. And it used to have a sign when you would cross over from New Jersey into Pennsylvania that said, America begins here, which uh-huh. I always found a little offensive. I was like, what? I don't live in America? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> and uh, I think they took that sign down. I think enough people yeah. complained. Now that it's they... pursue your happiness or something like that. Pursue your happiness. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, we should uh, tell folks how we met. We met uh, via Alex Bennett, um, Mm -hmm. legendary broadcaster who was one of the WMCA good guys and was on New York radio for years and years and had a program at Sirius XM uh, where he talked about progressive politics. God forbid you call it leftist or liberal politics but you used to phone screen for him and then uh we became friends and we started working together on the air and what are you doing now where is your radio career these days my radio career these days is on the stars channel on sirius xm it's 109 and i produce ew live which is entertainment weekly radio uh the hosts are dalton ross and jessica shaw Dalton Ross is the editor and chief at large of uh, EW.com uh, and, and also magazine. He covers the Survivor beat and like the Walking Dead beat and all that kind of jazz. And Jessica uh, is a SiriusXM employee, but former journalist for Entertainment Weekly magazine as well. So it's like a lot of pop culture, uh, head, uh, entertainment newsy kind of, you know, who's going to win an Oscar this year. It's, it's weird experiencing that sort of content now in a day where all of production's kind of stopped. So that's kind of fascinating, actually. But uh, so that's where I am uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. 
East every day. And uh, I also am working with uh, Chip Chipperson, which is a, a really fun podcast, uh, comedy podcast. And uh, that uh, happens on Sunday nights. And I, he just started a Patreon and there's a whole lot of stuff there. But if anybody's interested in that, they can just Google Chip Chipperson and it'll lead you right to uh, that sort of fun. Well, that is very cool. That's yeah, a whole bunch of stuff uh, going on for you. Um, about celebrity culture, do you bind this theory that it may have lost a lot of cachet because of the pandemic? You know, I feel like people have never wanted to get more content out than they do right now. And uh, it's, I, I don't know if it's lost, it's just different now. And, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of Zoom boxes for quite some time, I think, because... You can't risk, you don't want to be that person that risks the whole production crew. I mean, a lot goes into all that kind of stuff. So I can't imagine that anything's going to return to normal anytime soon. But, you know, there are people that are figuring ways around that. I know animation is a little different, so they might see more of that. And I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to take into consideration. But I think that uh, it is going to be very different. And everybody seems to be rolling with the punches. And I don't know how much time you spend on Instagram, but I mean, like there is Oh, all never... friggin' day. All friggin' day. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> there is no uh, shortage of content, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or just desperate and thirsty. So, But I'm know. talking more about this general sense that's out there of like, we don't really need to hear from celebrities right now. I mean, I, I wonder if... Oh, yeah. You know, if it's got... I mean, through this whole thing, are people that fascinated anymore about, what you know, celebrity culture and what celebrities are up to, or are they just too busy trying to figure out how to get through each day? In a, yeah. I, well, in what know, I heard I mean, described as a boring face. apocalypse. Oh, for sure. Yes. But it's in our face 24-7. I mean, even if I don't want to know what's going on with Kylie Jenner, if my Instagram scrolls just a little bit further down, poof, it's there. So even if I'm absorbing it in my consciousness all day long even when I don't realize I'm doing it so I, I think that it's just the way that we're soaking it all in you know yeah uh, so I, I like even I, though we don't need to hear about what they're saying we're still kind of hearing about what they're saying even if we're not trying to a lot of times I it, it's not the zoom stuff so much I mind it's just the crappy audio because it seems like all the bandwidth, audio yeah. The, all the bandwidth gets stolen for the video, so the audio was like just sounds like crap, and it's really fatiguing. I find it's very tiring to listen to. I'm sorry, sorry yeah, for no, complaining. I, I understand. I think that you know, as time goes on, people are going to keep finding better and new ways to be able to uh, get their message across, across without sounding like they're stuck underwater somewhere. Sure. Now I think that. Uh, that's going to happen soon. Let's talk about uh, the Series XM HQ, the building I went to for 12 solid years there. Yeah. It is currently running on a skeleton staff, is it not? I mean, no one's really working out of that building. Is that is that true? Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. We're all mostly uh, just from our homes. Um, I put together a show every day from my basement, and uh, we record early in the morning. We're not live currently, but we record... And then we, uh, and then, you know, I get it on the air for 2 p.m. A lot of shows are doing that. There are a couple of live shows and uh, just a few essential staff members, I believe, but I wouldn't be considered, you know, essential to be in the building. Somebody oh, like Christina me, Christina Palumbo, you are essential yeah. to me. I, 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 oh, I, I can't accept that. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that I'm actually working harder now that I'm working from home than I was when I was going in. Is that, is that the case for you as well? Are you doing, Facts. are you finding that the work swamps more of your day than it used to? 100%. First of all, I used to have the excuse of I'm two and a half hours on a bus. I don't know what you want me to do. I would just, you know, kind of check emails and stuff. But now that I have every single thing that I need, I find myself just casually walking over to my laptop at 7 30 at night and 
taking away time from my family and looking at things and because things are pressing or on my mind. And I also feel like a lot of people are not, not in a, I don't mean this in a, in a disparaging way, but I feel like people are um, overcompensating, you know, like they feel like they need to do more and more and more where it's like, uh, you know, wait guys, to prove less. that they're working. I mean, what, why do you, th- not, not necessarily to prove that they're working, but like they want to make sure that this happens and that we're not missing a beat or skipping a beat. And there are people that, you know, used to find themselves a lot busier during the day. And now they seem to have a little bit more free time. So maybe there's more meetings or maybe there's, you know, just more focus on things that there weren't, that wasn't focused on before. And so I do find myself putting more hours in the day towards things that genuinely used to take a shorter amount of time. And, you know, maybe I'm putting, you know, more effort into it and maybe it's, that's a good thing. I don't know, but I also feel like, you know, I need to learn the balance between like working from home and, you know, family and and when to turn it all off. When Christina Palumbo says she has everything she needs at hand, she means the cooler of white claws as well so (laughs) everything i mean i'm basic but i'm not that basic (laughs) (laughs) what's wait a minute why are i have all of the equipment that i would need (laughs) at hand what about the relationship with your sweetie is it deepening is it getting better now that you're stuck together all the time or are you sniping at each other are you is everything groovy Listen, I'm not even kidding you. I've never loved this guy more. And I know that we've only been married a year. We've only been together for five and blah, blah, blah. By the way, people should know, your listeners should know that the day after I had my first date with my husband, I appeared on your radio show on Sirius XM and I gave the lowdown of the entire date. Do you remember that? Uh, I vaguely remember that. And I'm beginning the process of digitizing a lot of the air checks. I was able uh-huh. to spear it out of the building before they shit canned me. So I'm sure I have it somewhere. God knows. You sure I, do. I, and it, it happened. And I yeah. gave, I, I, I mean, an exclusive, right off, hot off the date, uh, what happened. And now we're married and it's awesome. But I've never loved him more. First of all, he's an Eagle Scout. So he can do just about anything, which is really, really impressive. And the crazier his hair gets under quarantine because he can't go get a cut, the better. I mean, he is a walking Kramer. It is hysterical. He just cracks me up. And I, you know, I was listening to Howard Stern the other day and Mamet was saying, show me a, a, a couple that's under quarantine that's not fighting with each other. And I'll show you a couple that's lying. And I have to say, we really have not, we have had maybe one or two like little bickers and that over the kids who doesn't bicker over kids right so it really is not so bad i'm i'll stay under quarantine with him forever i don't care sweet t and i don't even have kids and we bicker over the kids so exactly there's that exactly um i was i was an early supporter of that relationship i remember i liked john from the moment i Mm -hmm. met him he seemed like the right person for you and i'm glad that that has born out that's been born out that uh, the two of you make a, a pretty damn good team thank you and i can't wait till this goddamn thing is over and we can actually visit irl as the kids say but let's oh, yeah. uh, before we run out of the road let's talk about howard stern for a moment because you know he uh he threw a lot of weight around there and it's interesting because i showed up at sirius xm it was Sirius back then, Sirius Satellite Radio. Mm-hmm. They were still another company called XM. In 2002, he was high. I think he came aboard in like 2004, somewhere around there, 2005. So I actually predated the arrival of Howard Stern and the Howard Stern wing. He's, of course, now working from home out in the Hamptons. And he's been making some news by coming out against uh, the president. Some some of the things that he's saying about this pandemic and so on um what what do you think about the continuing relevance of howard stern is he still relevant to the conversation are there still people who are you know uh who care about what he has to say in a in a in a broader sense and where why i mean as part of my anger at him is that I, i feel like he's one of the people that greased the skids for the arrival of Donald Trump, he sort of normalized him in a lot of ways. Has he backed off of that? Has he apologized for it? As he said, I regret having him on all those times. But you know, what do you? What are your thoughts on him as president? I have not listened to the extent of to know 
all of the things that you're referencing because honestly, I would listen in the car like everybody else. And now I'm never in my car unless I'm going to the grocery store. So I don't really catch, uh, I, I, I see stuff on mine. I saw that he uh, was talking to his audience saying, I hate you for voting for him. I can't disagree. Uh, I hate them for voting for him also. Um, I think that he is relevant, at least to me. I'm still a fan and I still try to follow. Um, I grew up in my dad's station wagon at eight years old, nine years old, listening to Howard Stern. So like for me, it was, he was always a part of, um, of my life and wanting to broadcast and just, you know, that sense of being able to blurt your entire life inside of a box. I always love that about him. I will um, never forget. I, I will. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't mean to. That's okay. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I don't want to be that guy that's interrupting. I hate that. <laughs> it's hard. We're on the Skype. I know. We can't look at each if, other. If we could I, I see each it, other, I yeah. Well, I don't. Uh, no, we'll, I, we'll say it. We'll I, I was going to say I, I'll never forget <laughs> when I actually crossed paths with him because I used to see him uh, being walked to the freight elevator by Ronnie, mm -hmm. the limo yes. driver. And one day I had okay. just proposed to Sweet Tea. It was a few days after, and and I had been listening to his show, and he had proposed to Beth. And as he walked towards me, and I was headed to the men's room, I said. Hey, I just got engaged too. And he said, and look how happy you look. And I didn't know, <laughs> and I didn't know if that was like, if he was taking the piss as the English say, if I actually <laughs> did look happy, I, I wasn't really sure. It was my one and only interaction with the guy who threw a lot of weight around that place. And, right. you know, so I, I yeah. And I, and I, I agree. I, I'm glad that he's now saying to his listeners who I think, there's a fair amount of Trump supporters among them. Please don't vote for this guy again. It's bad enough you voted for him mm -hmm. once. Maybe not yes. vote for him twice. Do you think they'll listen? I hope so. Because listen, I mean, Howard Stern is a celebrity, right? He runs in that circle. He knows the real guy behind uh, the the desk at the White House in a in a in a social sense, right? And um, I do feel like it did Hillary a disservice by not going on before um, it was time to vote. And I think that, you know, she, he could have gotten out of her the things that people needed to hear that aren't tuned in to, you know, when because the, the right listens to the right and the, the left listens to the left. But I think that everybody listens to Howard. And uh, there are people, there are, there are influential people in this world that can get through to some people that think, you know, a certain way. And I think that Howard is one of those people. He could, you know, make... Uh, I don't know, Meghan McCain seemed likable, right? And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that I it, think it right. wouldn't have hurt. It wouldn't have if, hurt. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't hurt that he uh, voices his opinion. And I'm glad that he is because somebody has to. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I get I get nervous well, every single day that I'm going to have to wake up every day in four years from now and still be like, is this a, a parody account or am I reading an actual tweet from the president? I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of doing that. It's oh, exhausting. Oh, if there's, it was funny at first. It was funny at first. If there's <laughs> one word that defines this administration, it's fatigue. If I had to come oh. up with one word, we're all so goddamn tired of it all. And yeah, you know, you're right. I, I think it was pretty accurate of him to say, look, if she had come on my show, if she had sat for a long form interview, it would have helped humanize her with a lot of people. It might have swayed a lot of people who otherwise didn't know about her, didn't like her, had listened to mm -hmm. a lot of the right wing propaganda. It might have been enough. I mean, this is all, by the way, with the backdrop of knowing that she got three million more votes in the popular vote. Of so course. who the hell knows? Um, right. But I mean, you know, she really humanized herself. She started hacking up a lung during the middle of her interview and then joked about it. And it just seemed to lighten everything up. And it's like, that's what everybody needs is the, the to see the lighter side of it. Because now it's just, you know, headstrong. Just, just everybody's just so crazed with uh, either they're, they're so far left or they're so far right. And they, I just want everything to be kind of even keeled again because it never felt more divided and it's scary. You, do you know? think I Joe really Biden, don't do you, want the handmaid's tale. I'm I, telling you, I, if that's I, the case, I'm going to be a Jezebel. Yeah. I'm not having no babies. <laughs> we'll all go to Canada together. Hey, listen, <laughs> my wife's cousin is in Canada. It's a really nice town they're in. We'll all go together. <laughs> Let me ask you this though, because, uh, you think Joe Biden will sit and be interviewed? Because Joe Biden needs some help. He just said this uh, thing about with Charlemagne the God 
uh, he was he, he, apparently somebody in his uh, crew set him up on that on that show, and he managed to say this really stupid thing about if you're gonna vote for Donald Trump, then you ain't black. And of course, the Twitter sphere erupted. Republicans are having a field day with it. Should Joe Biden sit down and talk to Howard Stern? Or you think well, that'd I- be a disaster? I mean, I think that he should, and uh, part of me thinks, like, shut the hell up and just, I don't, I, I'm not even sure. I don't know. I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough about politics to have real opinions about this, let's be honest. But from what I see in my, you know, pure brain, I don't think that he's the best guy for the job either. I don't understand how this giant company, uh, company, see, I'm calling it a company, this giant country doesn't have a better choice of somebody that can just, Hone in their words. I mean, when Barack Obama just uh, gave that speech uh, uh, to the, the graduates of 2020, just listening to a man speak with such cadence and and and, and oh, I was so right. Didn't you inside? Did I, you swooned. I swooned. You? I swooned. I'm telling you, I swooned and, and light a candle. Yeah. I mean, like my insides turned to jello, and I cannot believe that I even responded in that sort of a way like i'm not political in this sense but i, w- I was just so comforted by a- an intelligent man did you hear donald trump explain his results of his uh of his coronavirus test oh yeah he, he even, said he doesn't know whether it's positive or negative he can't say the word negative it's insane and it's maddening and it's so upsetting and it's it's all those people that get ahead of you in life that you know that you don't that don't deserve it and 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 you sit by working hard every day and watching that happen this is what's happening in the in the in the in the in the white house it's disgusting and i listen i'm I'm thinking of getting one of getting one of those lawn signs that says any functioning adult 2020 i mean i really do feel like at this point i mean look i know joe biden I, I, he's not what a lot of us would want, but hold your nose and vote for Joe. That's my goddamn slogan. Hold yeah. your nose and vote for Joe because this is what we have. Unless something really bad happens between now and November 3rd or 4th or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it is, this is the person we have. And I'm getting really tired of all the people online who are talking about how, you know, this isn't the guy, this isn't the best guy, and we could have done so much better. This is who we have. And yeah. I have held my nose and voted in just about every election since I was 18. So what? What? what is your problem? Hold your nose and vote for Joe. That's what I would have to say. Yeah, just consider him the vehicle that will get us out of this mess. Right? Oh my God, Christina Palumbo, we're almost out of road. I am so glad to be able to talk to you again you on too. the air. And oh. I, I love you and I love John. And again, when this is all over and we're out of the woods, uh, we're going to come out to the Lehigh Valley and see you guys. And then maybe awesome. we can all go find the Amish and buy some furniture or some damn thing. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, they make the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure. And where can folks find you? Uh, what What is your, a good fo- place to find you online? You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Christina Palumbo. There's no H in Christina. Or you can find me on Facebook at uh, Dumbo Palumbo, I think is what it is. Facebook.com slash Dumbo Palumbo. But just search my name. There's no H in it. That's it. No H in Christina. Thank you so much, Christina Palumbo. You take Thank care. you, Christy. Uh, I miss you. I miss you, too. And uh, we're going to turn it over Ooh. again to uh, Hound Howls here on houndmyc.com. And don't forget new uh, Hound Howls every, historic Hound Howls, I should say, every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, followed by Crash in the Party with Mark and Miriam, the doo-wop chop shop of the air. Every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, here's a tiny little bit of me singing Convoy. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify and Stitcher and all that crap. And uh, it'll replay on Tuesday at 5, what am I saying, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then it'll become a podcast sometime between now and Tuesday. Was it darker the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs? Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling logs. We's headed for Bear on I-10 about a mile out of shaky town. I says, pig pen, this here's a rubber duck and I'm about to put the hammer down. Rocket to the 
By the time we got into Tulsa town, we had 85 trucks and all. But there's a roadblock up on the clover leaf, and them bears was wall to wall. Yeah, them smoky stingers, bugs on a bumper, they even had a bear in the air. I says, calling all trucks, this here's the duck. We about to go a hunting bear.